Hello, and welcome to ECNM On Air, a podcast series from ECNM Magazine that shares industry intelligence, insights, and opinions on all topics electrical. I'm your host, Ellen Parson, editor in chief of ECNM. Today, I'm talking with Don Levins, vice president and chief economist at NEMA, Madeline Bugel, senior manager of trade and international government relations at NEMA, and Chris Sokol, president of Discord. I'm going to let our our guests introduce themselves briefly today before we jump right into the discussion. So, Don, would you like to begin? Hi, Alan. Yes, it's a pleasure to be here. I'm Don Levins. I'm NEMA's Vice President and Chief Economist, where I oversee uh, market data collection uh, efforts on behalf of the association and the industry, and where we also do economic forecasting um, for various uh, product markets, as well as the overall economy. It's a pleasure to be here. And I'm Madeline Bugel. I work with Don at the National Electrical Manufacturers Association, or NEMA. I'm on our government relations team, and I handle our trade, tariff, supply chain, and buy American policy. Hi, I'm Chris Sokol, president of Discord, based in Houston, Texas. My company uh, specializes in economic forecasting for the electrical distribution community, uh, full-line electrical wholesalers, manufacturers, and agents. And I'm just happy to be here today. I've been in the distribution community for about 35 years. Well, thank you all for being here today. It's great to have these experts here with us today to discuss supply chain issues, which is obviously a a huge issue, not something that's going to be solved overnight. And it will be good to get some uh, expert perspective on this with the electrical industry. So just a little bit of background on why I wanted to do a podcast on this topic. ECNM ran a feature article in our August issue called Caught Between Supply and Demand, and I knew it would be popular, but it was so overwhelmingly popular, um, it discussed how the electrical industry is dealing with supply chain issues. So we got so much feedback on that article, so much um, comments on the website, people asking me, are you going to do more on this? We really need to know more about this. We're having all these troubles. We don't know what to do about it. Um, So I thought this was obviously a good topic that we could do a podcast on. Um, Like I said, it's obviously very complex, so it's not going to be something that we can solve in a podcast in 30 minutes. Um, But it's something on everyone's minds, not just in the electrical industry, but in all industries. So I definitely appreciate all of your perspective today and being here with us to help us, uh, you know, have perspective on supply chain issues. Um, I also wanted to bring up, I, we do an annual top 50 electrical contractor survey, which we do every year that's published in September. And several of the questions did address supply chain issues and they have for years, but we've really seen an increase in the number or at least the emphasis on which respondents are, are you know, saying these are really big issues for us. For example, just a couple highlights, um, the materials they said that they were experiencing the greatest price increases for the last year's survey was definitely wire and cable, and then distribution equipment was second. Um, when we asked them, you know, what kind of impact, what kind of, what's the greatest short-term impact the pandemic has had on your business? Far and away, by far, supply chain issues and delays in equipment or materials shortages was definitely at the top there. And then what factor most affects finishing a job on time and within budget? Without a doubt, like almost unanimously, people said delays with material delivery and logistics. So just as a little bit of background there, you know, our readers are really interested in this and how it's affecting us. So let's jump into the discussion. Maybe we could start with 
Um, you know, what's your take on the current state of the electrical industry specifically, and how are supply chain issues currently affecting it? Have, have things gotten better? Are they the same? You know, um, maybe we can just start with that. Okay, Ellen, this is Don Levins. I, I, I can take the, okay, great. the first, first crack at that. Um, mm -hmm. At NEMA, we just um, concluded our annual meeting uh, a week and a half ago at which point I gave an electoral industry economic outlook and I provided three scenarios, um, an optimistic, a pessimistic, and, and a, a baseline um, look. And I asked the audience um, which of the three, before telling them which, which was my forecast, I, I showed mm -hmm. scenarios and they came back about 85 to 90% of the hands raised chose the optimistic scenario as what they saw ahead. I was really surprised. Okay, given good. All the talk of recession and, and talking to people afterwards, these people have order books out over two years that are backlogged. So okay. the, the state of the industry is strong. They see the uh, infrastructure bill and the IRA, uh, the recent uh, legislation from Congress uh, as being strongly supportive with hundreds of billions of dollars affecting infrastructure in this industry. Um, but that being said, they're also quite concerned about supply chain. And we conducted a supply chain survey in October ourselves. And I think Madeline can talk to that in terms of, of what it represented many, came back with many of the same things that you saw in, in okay, great. the M survey. But so far strong, um, but supply chain is, is, is what's holding them back. And, and many okay. of the respondents, that's, that's why they can't um, they go even faster is because they can't get supplies, particularly electronic components and, and, um, and labor shortages. And do you think that's a result of, I mean, it's it's a combination of things, right? Like it's ongoing effects of the pandemic. It's the war in Ukraine. It's like you said, worker shortages. Like, are those still the main things causing this? Or is one one of those, you know, causing more damage than others? Or how do you, how do you see that? One, one thing to put it in perspective is the Federal Reserve of New York puts out a, a new index they, they compiled over the last 25 years. Uh, showing the um, supply chain um, pressures internationally um, using about 18 different indicators globally. Um, and they measured this index a year ago. It reached a peak in which it was four standard deviations above the average um, index level, which is extraordinarily high. It shows you the disruption we saw a year ago. In the same period a week ago um, for this year, a year later, the index is only a one standard deviation above average, about where it was in 2018. So it's in a much more manageable state. So just to show you, things do equilibrate. As an economist, I have to, to explain, prices do matter, people do adjust, and they, these things don't go on forever. Um, they are transitory. Um, okay. and, um, so I think that's an, it's optimistic. Um, that's and I, know that, I yeah. know that your viewer is gonna say, yeah, but I don't see it yet. But mm -hmm. I think things things are tending to improve. Even our survey showed that they were improving to some extent. Okay, wonderful. This is Chris. I, I my my take is similar. Um, things are improving. You know, really, when we start to look at supply chain issues, I I think that currently um, about half of those are are caused by political unrest, and uh, you know, there, there's all kinds of issues going that weaponization of commodities and. Um, you know, global protectionism and, and things that, that kind of trickle down to us overall. Um, raw materials availability is, is, remains a problem. Uh, labor shortages also continue to, to be a problem, and not, not just, um, you know, dock workers, but also construction labor, 
we have people aging out not being able to be replaced right now so this is a very complex problem but i really think it is getting better um my outlook uh, economically over the next four to six quarters is a slight negative year-over-year performance trends uh, bolstered and that's in new orders uh, bolstered by backlog a lot of which is created by these supply chain problems so that's kind of my feeling okay and to follow on to Don's discussion um, on our supply chain survey that we recently conducted throughout our membership, uh, you know, to follow on to what Don and Chris were saying, the, the inputs are definitely a supply chain issue there, though things are generally looking better. We're still seeing a lot of issues on the semiconductor and in, uh, electrical steel shortages. Those are definitely uh, hampering our members to some extent. And then transportation is still a key issue. And uh, workforce goes into not just you know the facilities and the manufacturing uh, installations, but also the transportation issues as well. Okay, great. Um, I did want to cite um, one of our the people we interviewed for this article. Um, he's an electrical contractor. He says he's been in the industry for over 40 years. So this kind of speaks to what you're talking about with the backlog that Don mentioned. And um, he said that it's, you know, it's the worst he's ever seen. Uh, he's saying that quotes, you know, he gets are good for only 24 hours and the price can double or even triple. And he hasn't seen anything like this in his whole career in the electrical industry. Another person we interviewed for that article said, you know, a common lead time on a generator, Chris will probably be able to speak to this, is, you know, 40 weeks. I'm not sure, is that still happening? I mean, that article was written back in August. I don't know, have things improved at all? Um, it sounds like the outlook is improved, which is great. Um, but as far as like what's happening right now, um, do you think that's a fair characterization of what's still happening? Um, and then do you have any... Um, you know, thoughts on when you think this may improve? I know it's hard to um, have a crystal ball, so that's kind of a, a hard question. Well, I think if you look at the producer prices um, series, and we do a forecast series on that, they are the first inflation series that we expect to turn around uh, considerably next year. Um, by the middle of next year, uh, uh, we could see some producer prices uh, turning negative. We could have uh, deflation, in fact. Um, okay. and I think if you, uh, that, that's not inflation, that's the producer prices, the, but yeah. that, that leads into um, the, the whole uh, chain of prices. And I think the, the uh, important thing to remember on, on these um, prices is that it will take at least a year and a half for some of the inflation that's already in the pipeline, particularly through housing and home prices and rental costs, to to work its way through. And um, so I think that they're they're going to see that. I think you also saw during uh, 2020 and and into a little bit into 2021 where you saw lumber prices soaring because sawmills the capacity was was stripped was overstripped, and that um, the uh, the fallout from that was that um, the sawmill uh, companies decided not to increase capacity. Um, they mm -hmm. just prices rose, and then guess what? The the bottom fell out of the demand for wood, and yeah. uh, and lumber prices fell back down again. So these things are they're experiencing prices. I think some of the transportation costs have come down, particularly in in California. There's no longer the there are no longer any ships queuing off the coast of California like there were before. Okay. Um, and, and so I think you've seen improvement there. The internal 
distribution through trucking is still a problem uh, in this country. And we, we narrowly averted a, a rail strike, but that's good news. Right. Uh, so they're improving. But um, and then again, uh, metal prices, uh, copper prices rose sharply, um, but have come down somewhat. Um, they remained elevated from what what they were um, before the pandemic. There was a real run up, but they've come down uh, quite a bit from the peak, um, which was earlier this year. Um, and on an inflation adjusted basis, they're they're not the, at, at the highest level currently. So um, anyway, that's uh, things are, are improving. It's just it takes a while um, for this to materialize. And given that our industry in particular is at the core of the um, both the, the um, infrastructure bill and the um, IRA, that means there will be continued pressure on, on supply of materials, um, like Madeline mentioned, particularly electrical steel, um, but also many other materials. And, and the extent to which much of it has to be made in America uh, will have an yeah. impact uh, on, on supply chain. Okay, that's definitely good. That, that sounds good. Chris, did you have any thoughts on as far as like how long it's taking to get certain types of equipments kind of going in? My next question, um, talking about which electrical products and components are maybe feeling the greatest, um, you know, disruptions or effects as far as the supply chain issues go. Um, like the, the well, gentleman that was talking about the generator that takes 40 weeks, like is that, is that still you know, the, happening? The, well, the, the bottlenecks on electrical equipment are still large, especially power related. We've got, as Don mentioned, metals, you know, there's problems with copper and tungsten and some of the other metals that we use in, in electrical equipment. I do agree that the pricing issue uh, is, is a problem. You know, uh, overall prices are up 30% year over year, and some of these commodities have had vast swings. But when I look at uh, lead time issues, uh, specifically, I, I think it, it, the long items are really in the power generation side, and uh, I've heard 40 to 60 weeks in, in some occasions that it is uh, really contributing to uh, maintaining uh, backlogs for sale. Right. The one thing that it has been talked about and is, is trying to find some reconditioned equipment to, to, as a stopgap. Um, and uh, I don't necessarily believe that that's really a good idea, but I would think that if, if we can get uh, some factories to certify used or reconditioned equipment, that, that it might be some relief on these long lead time items. Okay. Yeah, I've heard some contractors, I think it's you're either one way or another. Like some people will say, oh, yes, we would consider refurbished or reconditioned as an option, and others are like, no way. Um, yeah. So maybe yeah. that will change. I don't know. I guess we'll have to see. Yeah, and to Don's point on on you know buy USA and and as we move forward with some of the things in the Infrastructure Act, specifically electrification, you know it's going to put huge demands on copper and some of the other metals that America, frankly, used to provide uh, at least fifty percent of its own supply, but we haven't for years. Uh, and trying to open new mines and new channels in the states and mm -hmm. in uh, the environmental uh, activism that we're in and the litigious society that we're in, it's going to be very difficult. So we're going to have to deal with uh, certainly importing a, a lot of these commodities. Um, 
to, to fill demand that's upcoming. By 2035, we're going to be in, in uh, kind of straits on copper as we push towards zero net zero carbon emissions by 2050. Maybe Don has some more thoughts on that. Well, there's no doubt that, that, um, that we have seen a, a um, curtailment of development of mine supplies for copper um, in recent times, and that this that these are not things that can come on online quickly. Um, so people can already see the shortages ahead, which is one one thing I think keeping the prices elevated. Um, but um, the the economies are are really amazing about um, finding alternative ways around things. Um, we've had all kinds of, of problems with battery materials, with cobalt, and with um, the, the lithium, and other things. And, and battery manufacturers have, have switched to iron in some cases. They found other metals and other ways around it um, in order. They may not be as efficient, but they're. It's amazing how resilient manufacturers can be um, in it. Uh, and the, the big concern, though, is that in order to accelerate this energy transmission um, that the administration has um, really uh, ramped up in terms of the funding through through the stimulus bills, um, we need to do everything we can possible um, to ease this supply chain, or or, or this is going to be a slow um, a slow transition um, to that zero carbon environment. Uh, we, and, and if you start to look at things, um, there are articles um, this week and also uh, on CNN the week before, on if you look at renewables, that the, the typical renewable such as wind power takes about 10 times as much material to produce the energy that um, fossil fuel energy based such as oil or natural gas do. And here we're talking about tons of steel, we're talking about a lot of land for solar, we're talking about uh, a lot of silicon, a lot, lots of material um, that um, is going to be um, critical that we have the transportation in place to distribute it, and that, that, that in, in many cases that it's locally available and reasonably available. So I think that's something we heard from the Siemens CEO um, a week and a half ago, uh, talking about um, from Germany the the real need for um, this industry to come together on resolving supply chain uh, difficulties if we're going to affect a rapid uh, energy transition. Right. Those are definitely great points. You guys, have you do you have a feeling for our survey showed wire and cable was the most affected? Do you have any? thoughts on which of these categories maybe are the most affected or is it, does it just change as far as like, I've heard, you know, people have named circuit breakers, panel boards, switch gear, wire and cable was the big one from our survey that said it was an issue. Um, power, like Chris said, power distribution equipment. Um, is it all of these categories or are some of them having greater difficulty than others? I think wire and cable is more of a price issue than availability issue. Okay. I haven't really heard too much, uh, you know, problems with delivering wire and cable. Mm -hmm. uh, as I talk to the manufacturers that I serve, it's, it's more, you know, the, the copper pricing issue. It, you know, all of these systems, when we start to talk about supply chain disruptions and individual uh, product categories, the systems of getting these to market are, are, are very complex and interconnected. So you've got workers, factories, transportation, uh, the, the consumers, uh, the wholesalers, um, and, and the performance of these systems is really all related to uh, some sort of demand capacity and throughput times, inventory backlogs, all, all this stuff. And you know, capacity is often uh, 
a, a guess at future demand, right? If I'm a factory and I want to understand my capacity, I want to look at, at future demand. So, but but a change in in a steady state demand of 10% can can throw the whole thing off. But by you know shortly thereafter, by up to 40% or more sometimes, and and this can carry on for for months. Sometimes. Um, you know, even years as the system adjusts to the, the changes in demand as they as they think what demand should be. So uh, I think that products that we're seeing uh, demand problems or delivery problems are, are subject to shifting. Uh, you know, it's, it's almost like a quicksand problem. You know, t today we're we've okay. got problem delivering power, and you know, to tomorrow it could be something else. So my thoughts. Okay. So Chris, I, I have to, to say that I was, that, that was almost exactly what I was going to say with regard to the, the pricing component. We're sort of mixing up um, demand effects and supply effects and we're blaming everything okay. on the supply chain, but we've had huge shifts in demand here and, and huge shifts in, in prices. So, um, and when we're trying to find solutions to it, we need to, to recognize how much of this is, is related to demand, which will subside as the economy cools uh, versus. Yeah, agree. Yeah, versus real supply chain problems. That's such a good yeah, point yeah, because people like to lump that in. They like you just say, oh, supply chain, supply chain, everything is supply chain. Or they say, you know, there's nobody to work and, you know, all these are issues, but it's not really that simple like you're explaining. So that's a good point to make. Yeah, and Don, you're, you're so spot on there. When I'm looking at the Fred's uh, PPI numbers for uh, specific commodities in, in our industry, uh, the, the price uh, changes have been just staggering for uh, many, many uh, product groups. So I know that those are not all related to demand. Yeah, and there's also a secondary consideration we may not want to get into today, but um, in some areas, the administration is considering using the De Defense Protection, um, the, the DPA Act, the uh, De Defense Procurement Act, in order to um, enable the government to direct the manufacture of certain uh, electrical um, uh, grid uh, equipment uh, that they feel is, is required for national defense and for emergency purposes. So... Uh, a lot going yeah, on. That, that definitely that definitely opens a whole other door. You're absolutely right because then you know we start to talk about not just protectionism from the United States side, but we start to talk about the weaponization of commodities from you know other countries. If, if suddenly we have a a large demand for copper and China decides that they don't want to support our, our copper import efforts. Um, you know, it can be problematic. I mean, look at uh, Australia, coal, and China right now, where they're kind of having a little bit of a trade war, and, and that's a, a pretty good uh, demonstration of the effect of weaponization of a commodity and, and what it can do to everything. That, that has really crushed the Australian ability to uh, supply many products and lengthen the supply chain for them, not just domestically, but also uh, internationally. I think we could do another whole podcast on this. I can see how we could talk for so long on this. So just to keep time into consideration, keep this, you know, fairly short. You've all talked on the Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act, and I want to make sure we get to that because I think that's a big issue that's going to be affecting all of our readers and listeners. So um, let's get into that a little bit about how do you expect supply chain issues 
to either delay the speed at which these projects are able to get started or maybe um, you know, the rising material costs, like you say, worker shortages, getting all of these projects into the pipeline. Um, how are supply chain issues going to affect those projects? Um, and then specifically um, on our survey, we, when we asked, you know, what, what kind of project is going to most affect you from these uh, infrastructure funds, federal infrastructure funds? And by far, it was the electric vehicle charging infrastructure, followed by roads and bridges. So as far as our readers go, that's what they think is going to be the main uh, push there for projects that they're going to be involved in. So how will supply chain issues, if at all, affect uh, those types of jobs, you know, with the different components they have, batteries, et cetera? We're definitely foreseeing some of the supply chain issues, um, you know, or just not necessarily the supply chain issues, but just the way that supply chains are located right now um, as a hindrance, possible hindrance to the implementation of the IIJA, especially with the current Build America, Buy America requirements that are necessary to meet in order to receive the funding from the IIJA. Um, this is something that we've been working a lot on as NEMA um, to ensure that these are implemented in a smart way. Um, there's definitely a lot of concern right. you know, on resilient supply chains, as Chris was saying earlier about, you know, any sort of, you know, kind of geopolitical uh, issues that might affect supply chains. And so we're really looking for the, the administration to focus on resilient supply chains, and that includes involving our allies, our close allies, especially the Canada and Mexico, and you know, honoring USMCA to ensure that there are understood and resilient supply chains, because right now there are a lot of questions when it comes right. to, you know, how can you comply with the Build America Buy America requirements? Uh, will there be waivers? How long will those last? You know, will there be any countries, any of our trade agreements honored under this? There are a lot of questions there. And so that's that's an area where a lot of clarity is needed in order to ensure that this is implemented smoothly and support resilient supply chains. Okay, right. And so that, I mean, it's kind of a wait and see. We have to see what the administration does there because it's it's like a good problem to have, right? You have all these projects and all this work that could you know hypothetically begin, but then we have all these issues, lead time and you know taxing the system. Like nobody really knows how that's going to play out. One one thing to keep in mind also is if you go back to the American Recovery and Reinvestment Act of two thousand nine, um, where there was four point five billion dollars slated for this industry, the electrical industry, and other monies. It took more than a decade for those monies to push through. Wow. Uh, they, they couldn't. Yeah. Uh, takes a long time. And much to Madeline's point, you know, when we talk about the trying to utilize our neighbors and our, our partners, it, as best as we can, we want to physically shorten the supply chain, you know, resource and stuff, uh, switch to domestic suppliers if you can, um, near shoring, uh, trying to get products closer than what you're currently getting. Um, and anything that you can do to help uh, lower the costs of, of overall transportation of, of raw materials and shorten the time it takes to get something is really, it, it is, I think, the key point that Madeline was making, and I totally agree. I think one, one other aspect is that with money, the, the size of the, the hundreds of billions of dollars at stake here, 
Um, the local governments are very good at spending the highway money. They've got uh, yeah. political mechanisms in place to push all that through. Um, what we don't have in place is we've never done anything like the electrical charging stations. So they're, they're, we've had a lot of, they're, they're moving faster than I expected, but still okay. got to decide on the locations. And, and now we've thrown in uh, all kinds of requirements for, for where they can be in urban settings, rural settings, um, in, in economically underserved areas. Um, so it's a complex um, uh, <coughs> rules for how these things can, can be um, uh, put out there. So I think these, these could slow, um, it, it could, could make it a little slower to implement. Definitely, and the EV charging infrastructure build out, that's gonna be ongoing and something we're gonna be talking about for a long time as, as are all of these other issues, it sounds like. So it's not something uh, that's gonna be solved overnight. So, um, you know, no one has a crystal ball, but you all seem to be very, very in tune with what's going on. So it's great to, to get your perspective on this. So as far as, I kind of want to wrap up so we aren't too long. Is there any, do you have any thoughts on uh, how specifically the electrical industry can expect to either improve or, you know, what's going to happen there and what measures, if any, can our readers, the electrical engineers, the contractors, the plant facility people, um, you know, how can they, can they, if at all, alleviate any of these supply chain issues or, you know, do you have any advice there as far as how to deal with a lot of these ongoing issues, I guess I'm saying, to close this out? So from my perspective, I, I think the best thing that a, a, a contractor, a distributor, an agent, and a manufacturer can do is, is one, share information uh, openly. And, and have lots of discussion. Partner, instead of, uh, you know, bidding out uh, to, to 30 people, find one or two people that you can really trust, that, that you have can have open and honest dialogue with, and, and leverage those relationships to everyone's advantage, and, and that will uh, help you to complete projects and have overall better results in the industry kind of my feeling. So uh, exchange of information, partnership, work hand in hand across all aspects of the industry, manufacturer, distributor, contractor. Yeah, I, I think what I would say is that with respect to looking over the next couple of years, um, the Federal Reserve is um, on a path to uh, effect demand destruction. That, that's their stated objective. They want to slow the economy. And so far they haven't managed. If you look at all the latest data coming in, the economy is still continuing to add jobs at a, a healthy rate. Um, and that uh, orders are up um, in the last month in October. Um, and so uh, I, I think it's going to be a, a tough um, to, for the Federal Reserve to, in order to reduce that demand. And as they do that next year, uh, we're going to see manufacturing uh, activity decline. And so for the electrical industry, we're going to see some unevenness with who is going to be affected uh, by who's going to benefit from the infrastructure spending bill related to utilities and, and the, the grid and, and who's going to be hurt with perhaps 
um, some factory and, and um, things that are related to the industry sector, industrial sector, which could be slowing down, uh, slated to slow down. And also we have a more abundant construction industry for commercial construction, now housing um, in the tank as well. So some of the key economic engines for this industry are, are going to um, sputter next year, which could be good for supply side and, and people have a lot of backlog. Um, but I think it's something to keep in mind. Um, it, it may not be, um, it, it could be, it will be an uneven um, uh, response next year. Okay. So I think what we can get into is um, the supply chain survey that we spoke on earlier uh, was actually done. Um, we collaborated with the White House Made in America office uh, within the Office of Management and Budget on that and we'll be providing them with our more detailed uh, results from that survey. So we certainly are getting the message of the electro industry out there. We have gotten a detailed response to that survey that we conducted um, that you know forecasts kind of what manufacturers have been seeing, what they are seeing, what would help. We got a lot of recommendations as to where manufacturers could get help on supply chain from the federal government. And so we are looking forward to working collaboratively on policy issues on this in the future. That's definitely a good thing. Does anybody else have any final thoughts or words of wisdom or anything, um, you know, to close this out? Well, I think um, coming from our annual meeting, there is a great sense of optimism for the industry over the next few years. My my thoughts regarding the economy notwithstanding, uh, the industry is, is, is quite excited about uh, the emphasis uh, on this. Um, and I think there's a, a big role for associations and, and for the industry, for ECNM and others to get the word out that the electrical industry is at the heart of this um, rebuild and, and, and this um, investment in infrastructure. We're, none of it can take place without a resilient and reliable grid and um, all the energy efficiency uh, products that, that we're bringing to bear here. Well, definitely. And that's definitely a bright spot to keep in mind. So when everyone's thinking about all these bad things or, oh, this is happening, this is happening, but it's important to remember that as well. So that is a good thing. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, it looks like we're out of time. So I wanna thank you so much to our guests for sharing their industry insights, knowledge and experiences with us today on the supply chain issues facing the electrical industry. In closing, I'd also like to thank Senior Associate Editor Ellie Coggins and Associate Editor Michael Morris for editing and putting these podcasts together, making this valuable information available to all of our listeners. For more information, visit our website at ecmweb.com. This podcast is produced by ECNM Magazine, part of the portfolio of Endeavor Business Media Publications. I think that's it for now. I'm Ellen Parson signing off of ECNM On Air. Please let me know if you have any podcast topics you'd like to listen to in the future. And don't forget to check out the Members Only Portal on our website for more podcasts and other content resources for electrical construction professionals. I think we definitely need, may need to have a follow-up session on this to, after we see things how are, after we see how things are going. So thank you so much and have a great day.